there are five human senses that uh, you can work off of and architecture gives you that opportunity to sort of activate or accentuate all those senses. You're about to enter the Ak Young Podcast. Ak Young Podcast. India's first and very own architecture podcast, where you'll hear the insights, experiences, and journeys from India's leading architects. No matter what your skill level is, together, we'll build on our knowledge and share architecture's greatest stories ever told. Now, here's your host, Manish Paul Simon. Hey guys, welcome to the Akyan Podcast. This is episode number 18 with Senior Architect of S9 Architecture, all the way from New York, Saurabh Goenka. Here's a small brief on Saurabh to give you guys some context. Saurabh works as a Senior Architect and BIM Lead at S9 Architecture. S9 Architecture is a distinguished, award-winning architecture and engineering firm in New York. Saurabh plays a leading role in design and management of many of the firm's landmark projects and tallest skyscrapers. Saurabh's commitment to high-quality architectural design and his expertise in technologically advanced design techniques resulted in a portfolio of several iconic projects. Saurabh's passion for architecture is driven by the fact that it influences millions of lives and strives to change them for the better through the process of creativity. Some of his projects at S9 are vastly popular and have been covered by major agencies like the New York Times, CNN, Wall Street Journal, Dayzine, Architectural Digest and many many more. Saurabh completed his bachelor's in architecture from School of Planning and Architecture New Delhi and then went on to do master's in urban design from Carnegie Mellon University in USA. He is a licensed architect as well as a lead professional. For you guys who don't know what lead is, lead is leadership in energy and environmental design and is a highly coveted certification. In his free time, Saurabh likes reading, hiking, biking and quote-unquote dancing the tango. And every so often he also likes to do what he calls the quote-unquote BYOB walks, which has nothing to do with booze. Alright, so let's get right to the episode. Welcome to the show Saurabh, how you been? I am good, Manish. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. All right. So before we venture into the various themes of today's topic, give our listeners a brief history on how you got into architecture, your architectural education, and how you ended up in this uh, super cool firm in New York. Well, so I started, um, well, really, how I got into architecture really started at my school. I used to be really good at mathematics, and um, I was a good painter and a sketcher. So that's where it all started, really. Um, I did engineering drawing studies in high school. Um, that's where I got interested into more and more of um, the technical aspects of architecture as right. much as the uh, design. Um, after high school, I took the, uh, what they call the AIEEE, the examination um, for architecture education in India. Mm -hmm. um, I did well in that, got into School of Planning and Architecture, which is one of the greatest schools in India. And uh, that's where my architecture journey really began. And um, you were from Delhi, is I am born and brought up in New Delhi, yes. Oh, awesome. Okay. Uh, um, so it took me really a while to understand the profession and one thing that School of Planning and Architecture taught me was uh, not how to design but rather how to think um, which is 
an interesting aspect of how when you look at architecture, um, you know, you never know what you're going to be designing in your career. Right. You might be doing a school or an airport or a hospital, and each project just takes a very different approach and design thinking to be able to do well. After School of Planning and Architecture, I did a couple of years of work at this firm in Delhi called Abhimanyudalal Architects, okay. which do a lot of high-end um, residential architectural work right. all around India. Um, it was, again, one of the... I, I still recall one of, the, one of the incidents at the office, which sort of changed my... Uh, thinking or my approach towards architecture it was one of my first few days in the office and um, mm -hmm. I was given a task which was about a two-day task um, I was excited and eager to finish the work I finished it in a day and the next morning I walked up to my principal and I asked him oh I finished the job uh, is there anything else I can do right. um, so he was leaving for a meeting and he said, oh, you finished it and you don't have anything else to do. And I said, no. And he said, OK, go out, take a walk in the park and enjoy oh. your day. And when I come back, we'll talk about work. I said, OK. I said it was like a prize for me. So I left and I, I just ha had a great day outside. And I came back in the evening. He was in the office. He called me to his desk and he said, OK, what did you do? And I said, well, I... I walked out and I saw places. It was a new environment, so you know, right. I was just uh, getting familiar with it. Right, right. So that's when um, he gave me a 45-minute lecture on if uh, if I did not have anything to do, I could have found things to do, and <laughs> uh, and also, you know, it was it was very motivating in the sense that you know. If you could live your life, rest of your life, as somebody who is told what needs to be done or somebody who finds things and figures out and helps the process or improves the process rather than follow, following it all the way. Awesome. So that was a big change for me. Um, you know, it just um, changed the way I started looking at different things. It gave you um, more so, I mean, you felt more responsible, I guess. I did. I did. Um, and more motivated, too, you know, uh, because um, I was not only looking at things the way they are, but always thinking about the way they could be or why the why they are the way they are uh, versus, you know, uh, just following it the way yeah, it yeah. is as is. Okay. So it was a great experience at uh, Abhimanyudalal Architects. Um, after which, uh, Abhimanyudalal Architects also do a lot of urban design work, actually. That's where uh, my interest in urban design was generated. Awesome. Um, one of the big reasons why I wanted to do urban design was not was to inform my architecture because um, one of the big reasons or theories, rather, I follow to do all of the architecture work that I do is um, the context right. and the forces around your building that uh, affect your design or rather inform your design. So urban design, I thought, would be a way not only to learn the larger scale of things, mm -hmm. but also to understand um, how the surroundings affect the buildings. Um, so that's where I 
pursued my master's at Carnegie Mellon School in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Right. Okay. It's northeastern part of United States. Uh, great school, great teachers. It was a 12-month program, very, very intense. So you worked for a year and a half in Delhi and then pursued the master's or? About two years, almost, actually exactly two years. Um, right. Awesome. And uh, how did you, after post-master's, uh, what is your plans? Was it like you wanted to work in USA for some time or you wanted to come back? No, I always wanted to have some work experience here. You know, I wasn't planning for years ahead in the profession, but, um, you know, um, I always wanted to have some experience um, and to apply the knowledge that I gained. Uh, right. And till the time you did masters, there was no exposure to BIM. If uh, is that true? There was very little. All right, all right. I I did use a lot of, I won't say a lot, but a little bit of Revit in my undergrad uh, education, in my undergrad school um, at SBA. Um, it wasn't part of the curriculum per se, but um, a bunch of us just tried yeah, yeah. to most, use the most software. Most of us tried to you know, uh, uh, <laughs> experiment with those softwares. Yeah, and when I look at look back at the model I created in third year undergrad school, um, I just laugh at it every time. You know, uh, but it's a process. Like I say to everybody, it's just like a process that once you're at it, and especially in your professional environment, um, even if you don't know it, it's a software. To me, BIM, BIM first of all is not a software; it's a process. Right. And there are different softwares that allow you to to yes, complete that absolutely. process effectively, right? All right, so let's get to, uh, how, how did you land this job at S9 Architecture? Well, um, after I finished um, Urban Design, I moved to New York to work for this firm called Ismail Leva Architects. Right. Um, it's about 100 people firm oh, wow. uh, doing a lot of residential high-rise work in New York City. Um, that's where I was exposed to BIM on an everyday basis. Uh, right, right. Um, so really understood how to put together a high-rise building um, as a fresh grad out of school. Well, it was sort of a setback, even though I had some sort of experience before back home in India. Uh, once I moved here and really started my professional career, um, I realized I had to s sort of restart in the way I was working or doing things. Uh, it was just a very different environment, different scale of work from single family residential to, um, you know, high rise residential or mixed use retail as well. And it was all BIM, there was no CAD or anything involved? Very little CAD, right, but right. mostly BIM. We would still use some CAD for, uh, you know, just supporting the process, but for the most part, it everything was uh, BIM. Right. And then, yeah. yeah. Just just got this opportunity. I wasn't really looking, uh, but I got into a conversation with this gentleman at our firm who still works here. Uh, and, you know, we got to talking and I discussed the kind of work S9 was doing at the time. And it really aligned with my philosophy or the way I thought of architecture and the profession. 
and that's why I decided to make that move. Um, I'm very glad to be here. It's a great firm and a great and working environment. We do some amazing work and we support each other uh, in what we do. So uh, very happy to be here. Um, awesome. So the best part about this firm is they've got some really fascinating projects which range from adaptive reuse to high-rise residences. So could you walk us through some of the projects that S9 Architecture has done? Sure. So to give you a little bit of background about S9 uh, Architecture, we are about um, 80 people form and growing. Uh, we are in based off of New York City, and um, we have this unique, well, I wouldn't say unique, but we call it unique in the sense that uh, it's based off of a concept called modern contextualism. Right. Um, it is a design approach that we follow on almost every project. Uh, we are not a firm which is motivated to build objects in space, but rather uh, design based off of the programmatic needs and the environmental and the economic and the contextual forces behind every site and every project. So that's one big part of uh, of our beliefs right. and we believe our projects are part of a very larger whole. So how do you guys approach uh, projects? Is it mostly uh, through this context analysis that you keep doing? or? Yes, we do. Every project, we see, well, so there's a few things about every project. There's a client, the client's needs, right. uh, the project site, the environment around it, and the uh, the uh, economics of the project, the program requirements. So we basically take, we don't have preconceived notions about every project. We take all these pieces together and, you know, sort of, to sit together and talk and see what we can do right, right. and how we can do justice to the project or to the design where it is located in, you know. Um, this In today's architecture world, um, a lot of design work is seen as objects, which some of them are really beautiful objects too. You know, I have nothing against creating objects, uh, but how whether that object is sitting in New York City or in Mumbai or in Singapore uh, makes that object a special to that location and that place. And that's what we are looking for in our all our work. So most of our work uh, is high-rise residential. We do a lot of retail and office work as well. Uh, we are doing some hospitality and institutional work as too. Um, most of our work is based locally in New York City. Oh, awesome. Uh, but we are doing a lot of work around in New Jersey, um, Atlanta, and Canada, um, all around. And, you know, we're growing. And talking about we're, New York, uh, I mean, at least I have a sense that New York is jam-packed with a lot of buildings, right? So... How do you guys uh, land up with projects? And I don't know if this is my, I mean, I have a preconceived notion that there is no space to build. So, yeah, you would be surprised, you know, uh, especially in Manhattan. I think a lot of construction, 
lot of construction work that is happening in Manhattan and which is hap- right now there is a lot of construction work happening in Manhattan right um, most of it is demolishing five six eight ten story buildings and building high rises in place of those okay um, so yes there isn't any space but there they keep creating more and more space um, and then when they run out of space they they build buildings over train yards uh, you know find space also but keep building so a lot of construction happening in New York City right now and uh, which are the ones which you guys are going to start um, I mean I would like to talk about few projects which is one of those is the New York wheel which uh, I mean what I heard was is going to be bigger than the London Eye right so is that uh, project uh, going to happen or so New York wheel it's yes you said it right it was it is planned to be almost one and a half times the size of London Eye London Eye uh, diameter is 400 feet uh, this one was designed is designed to be at 630 feet tall oh, wow. um, so the project design is complete uh, and our role on the project was to design the uh, terminal building and the parking garage and do the uh, master plan development around it right. uh, one big part of our role as architects was to connect the uh, neighborhood to the uh, waterfront um, using this project so at this point um, there, we are being told that the project is going to be completed. There are some financial um, issues related to the project that the client is right now uh, dealing with. The terminal building and the parking garage are actually built, and uh, the garage is currently operational as well. Um, so, right. yes, we are told it's going to be built. Uh, awesome. And, I hope it does get built because it's one of the projects. It's going to be um, the landmark yeah. of the future. You know, it'll be added um, along with Empire State Building or Times Square as well. Yes, it's one of those projects which is going to be uh, uh, talked about almost uh, for centuries. You know, um, they expect about five million visitors every oh, year. Wow. Uh, one that project runs. Um, it's about a forty-minute ride to complete one circle of the wheel. Um, at, at one point, about 1,200 passengers can ride oh, wow. the, the wheel. Yeah. Each, each capsule carries about 40 people. Awesome. So this uh, was envisioned in BIM, or how were you guys uh, going about this project? Yes. All, all of the work on this project was BIM. Um, it was, it had to be. Um, there were uh, more than 50 specialized consultants on the project. Uh, and we were doing this project in collaboration with Perkins Eastman Architects. Um, um, and um, the wheel was a design-build project by um, this firm in Rotterdam, Europe. And then we have engineers from mechanical to electrical to structural to security oh, wow. um, 
and you know the since this project is such a big project there was approvals almost everybody was involved in terms of the public agencies from NYPD to city planning to public design commission um, so the project went through a lot of approval processes and um, BIM was really an integral part of the process because managing so many consultants and the design um, of the project of this large scale uh, wouldn't have been possible uh, using any other process but BIM. Um, right. I was closely involved with the doc design documentation and construction documentation uh, part of the project. Um, we were about 10 people in the architecture firm working on it, which is like a huge team for a project. Um, but managing in-house teams was in itself a big task. And eventually there was a time when there were almost more than 100 people working on the model Whoa. at the same time. Uh, you know, it's. I think it was one of the biggest BIM projects I've ever okay. dealt with so far. Brilliant. And uh, before we proceed, uh, could you elaborate on what kind of the scope of work a senior architect uh, entails in a firm like this? Well, you, the, I think the big one of the biggest philosophies of S nine is, yes, they are they are particular about what you should be doing, but they rather let you choose your own path. Um, so we don't believe in titles and designations as much as we believe in the kind of work we do and what we bring to the table. So um, as a senior architect, my role would be very different than another senior architect at S9 Architecture. Um, if you talk about just what I do, um, I am currently managing about three projects um, uh, at a couple of them are under construction. One is an, in design stages, so they take a lot of my time, but my role is also as a BIM lead. Uh, I am doing a lot of uh, support and management of other projects uh, in the office. And you make sure your models are healthy and all that. We do. We try to. <laughs> we try to. All right. All right, let's talk about a few projects that you've completed, uh, which is the Empire Stores, uh, which is both uh, an adaptive reuse project, right? So could you maybe walk us through uh, Empire Stores? Empire Stores, um, it, was, um, it was an adaptive reuse of an old warehouse building. Um, it they used to it used to be used for coffee storage in the old times and um, we took this project and it's a beautiful building they don't build these kind of buildings anymore um, so there was really no reason to demolish and build a, build something in place of it so we rather wanted to celebrate the architecture of the building as is and sort of um, you know open it out to the public and uh, present it right. and sort of exhibit so that was the whole idea behind what we did so we tried to preserve as much as we could um, one big uh, design move that our principals uh, sort of were adamant about was to be able to connect the waterfront 
to the neighborhood. So we we carved this uh, hole through the building and connected the um, the back, the neighborhood uh, through to the waterfront. And right. you know the central courtyard and this gallery connection gallery sort of became the heart of the project, from where everything else evolved. So the waterfront um, abutting the Brooklyn Bridge and all that, right? Correct. Right, right. Correct. It's right by the Brooklyn Bridge, uh, and it the design itself. You would see um, a lot of um, metal, um, sort of replicating the industrial um, aspect of the neighborhood and the Brooklyn Bridge right next to it. Right. Um, the building itself contains a um, lot of retail, um, some museums, some offices, uh, restaurants. And then it has a rooftop beer garden, which is sort of, again, another idea of taking people through various parts of the building and creating these moments for them to experience and enjoy. So it's retaining the old facade and infusing a lot of contemporary elements within. Correct. So the old facade, um, we introduced a lot of steel, metal, glass, um, just to just to add to the character of the old building, um, but yes, for the most part, we re- tried to retain as much as we could. All right. So since this is an adaptive reuse project, do you guys still use BIM because you have to kind of document the whole building prior to construction, right? I wish we did, but on this one we did not. Okay. Um, okay. But it, it is possible was... through point cloud system and all that. Absolutely, and uh, we are doing a lot of adaptive reuse work now in the office, and all the work that we are doing now is all BIM. Um, oh, wow. And just like you said, using the point cloud information, um, we realized that um, even though it's an adaptive reuse process, it's it's in fact all the more reason to use BIM than to use CAD because um, you know you really need to understand the pieces of the existing environment in front of you all the time while you're designing and no better than using BIM for projects like these. Absolutely. And uh, when we talk about high-rise resonances, there's no better way to do it than use BIM, right? So could you maybe elaborate on certain high-rise projects that you guys done? Several. Um, we, in terms of um, residential work, I would say uh, 111 Varick Street, uh, 532 Neptune Avenue, um, 160 East 22nd Street, 205 Water Street. There's several residential projects we're doing. Uh, Park Liberty North in Jersey City. Um, these are all, some of them rental, some condos. Uh, 30, 40, 50 story residential buildings right, uh, right. in and around New York City. Um, you know, um, the best part about BIM uh, is that even though these projects are different, they are very similar. So one of the big philosophies that we work or I rather promote as an architect and BIM lead is to separate the known from the unknown, um, you know. Um, it's like it's almost like designing a car i would say like uh, every car is different but it's got pieces that are the same so uh, as long as in your design process you can identify similar pieces for example bathrooms and kitchens in a residential building uh, the accessibility guidelines or the code regulations 
once they are all built in into the the design of the bathrooms and kitchens there's only that many configurations you can do uh, once you figure out the configurations that you can do versus what you like you have a library of things that you can use from a project to project now bim helps you to take that process to the next level in the sense that you, it is an adaptive uh, environment where um, you can add, remove, cut, paste, and test things much faster than how you would do in typical uh, traditional working process. And you can visualize them immediately. So um, as you keep going or keep working on more and more projects, you keep developing that library or the database of information for yourself. Um, so again, our design philosophy is to make every project different from each other or rather make it uh, suited to the context that it is sitting in, but then at the same time use um, advanced architectural technology to make it cutting edge and make it, um, you know, more accurate and more uh, precise. Right. Oh, another doubt which just came up in my mind is, especially in India, when we handle a lot of projects, there's multiple changes during the phase of a project, right? So, uh, we tend to go back to the drawing board and you know we still have this CAD system running so how well does BIM help in making changes on the go uh, again um, I think the, it happens here too Manish um, changes happen all the time okay. it's just part of our process right. most of the most of the change or most of the edits that would happen um, I think I still think you are better off being a BIM environment than being in a traditional work process environment because you will you will always miss things you know like once you have a set of 200 drawings once when we create these um, residential towers a typical construction document set would be anywhere from 200 to 300 architectural drawings oh, wow. and um, any change or any adjustment has to be reflected through the entire package there will always be things that will be missed out in a regular traditional process or you would end up spending almost five times as much time repeating to do the same change over and over and over again you know just to give you an example one of our projects uh, at almost 75 percent construction documentation the client decided to change the floor to floor heights okay now just think about um if you were doing this similar project in cad <laughs> you would have to go through all your elevations all sections all details all plans and every sheet that you have created each one of those 200 sheets to make sure that you adjusted those levels um, in a BIM environment it took us about four and a half days to fix everything everywhere oh wow yeah awesome so yes no I, I whether it's a small project as small as a home or as big as a 200 story building i would use bim if i can on the project all right 
and uh, something which also piqued my interest before we get into the bim part of this episode uh, let's talk about this project called doc 72 and the most uh, fascinating part of this uh, project is the structural system so how did you guys go about uh, this project and how did the design come up doc 72 is another great project it's it was it was challenging um the site because of the site constraints mostly it's like a a very thin and narrow narrow and long site um uh, with water on three sides um it's part of um old navy yard where they would basically build ships uh but transforming into this very very vibrant work live work environment um and um our project itself um we're really one of the projects of this whole master plan development uh, our project is about a 650000 square feet mixed use building um it it the design started sort of it's inspired by the context and the client themselves so uh the the client one of the major um anchor clients live work right a uh, we work i i'm yeah, sorry we work, um, yeah. um we work we our principals visited their office and we really learned from the kind of um working environment they have with a lot of collaboration and a um, lot of energy, energy within yes. the firm um so really doc 72 was designed as part of that uh uh concept in mind um the building itself had to be raised from the ground because of uh, floodplain requirements um it's right by the water and after sandy the storm that happened in new york city yeah. a few years ago um the regulations have become very very strict and fema which is the um the agency that regulates um the building base plane base flood plane elevations uh, have become very strict about what they uh, about the rules so um there was an underground tank below the building which had to be retained and then the entire building had to be raised off of the ground so that the uh, habitable spaces are above the flood plane so the challenge became a design intervention and the design idea was one to lift the entire building and make it almost it almost looks like a container yard or a ship it by in itself to me uh, and then use the use the ground level to really create an active public environment so um the the lobby the reception and then the, all the public spaces sort of um gel into the um the um ground uh, with using ramps and slopes and then uh, the rest of the building is uh, office and this was uh, also a bim project it is a bim project yes definitely uh, since you guys worked with vwork and or uh, and vwork having a reputation in specializing in interiors uh, did you guys do the interiors also in uh, bim we were hired our services on this project were prim- primarily core and shell right right um and uh, there 
there was a separate interior uh, designers based off of different tenants. But yes, I'm being told that all the interior work that is being done is also being done in BIM. Um, a lot of construction work, you know, got supported because of BIM as well. And that happens in several of our residential projects too, you know. Um, at Neptune, one of these uh, residential buildings in Coney Island, I was visiting the site the other day and I was walking around with the contractor. He had this iPad in his hand and basically he was looking at all the structural system it, um, in the building. Oh, wow. And uh, he was walking around the building just pressing buttons and I asked him what you were doing what he was doing and the guy said that oh i'm just checking what work has been done today and when i looked at his screen i could see orange and green colors and he was basically selecting every beam or every column that has been installed and making it green in the sense that you know he was updating the information to everybody at the time as the things were being installed let me guess so, he was using novice works or uh, he had his own no i think he was using plan grid oh right that's a startup on uh, which autodesk re recently acquired right if i'm not mistaken correct. All right. correct correct all right so you know like the power of the of, of the of pim environment is is in not only construction documentation but what you do after that as well absolutely so a lot of our projects um, the contractors are actively using our models taking it to the next level and uh, doing construction off of the models it also predicts the life of a building right absolutely um the building management system, the life cycle, it runs through the project. It gives you alarms. It gives you, uh, oh, you, your mechanical system um, servicing is due in 20 days, so you better find somebody to do it. Oh, your um, air conditioner is going to expire in five months, so you should probably get the process uh, going now so you can have it by the time it expires. So, you know, it's giving you everything. It's pretty much taking care of your lighting, your air conditioning, uh, you name it, and and it's it's talking to all the systems that are in your building right now. Wow! I just feel like I'm in the movie, or uh, I know whichever future futuristic movie that is, right? Just made. <laughs> I feel like I'm part of those movies right now. <laughs> no, but you know, it just sounds very cool. But it's until everything sounds cool until you know it and when you know it it just it just seems very seamless it's the beauty of architecture itself you know i say architecture is seen by everybody uh, but what's what's more is everything except what you see there are five human senses that uh, you can work off of and architecture gives you that opportunity to to sort of activate or accentuate all those senses hey guys so that is the end of the first part of this two-part series with Saurabh I hope you learned a ton from this episode which I definitely did and if you'd like to learn more about BIM Saurabh's work S9 architecture or whatever we spoke about today just head to arkyan.com slash 18. We have written extensive show notes, which I'm sure is going to help you a ton. On the second part, we go in-depth on BIM, its pros and cons, building information modeling in India, and how it will inevitably be used throughout the world, and what it has in store for us in the future, and lots, lots more. 
follow us on Instagram to get access to behind the scenes footage, daily gyan drops, live sessions and much much more. All to help you become better architects. Just search for Akyan. Stay healthy, stay happy and build a better tomorrow. Cheers. You've been listening to the Ak Young Podcast. We're still building the community. Please share this knowledge with someone you know who could benefit. Just send them to akyoung.com where you'll find our free newsletter and for more podcast episodes. Search for the show on any major podcasting platform. Don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now. And if you liked it, leave a rating or review. 